I want to welcome you this morning to our Gospel Growth class. Um, today we are actually going to be working through uh, the topic of caring for widows. Um, our time this morning is going to be formatted a little bit differently. Lucas has had the luxury of being able to preach what he's teaching on in Gospel Growth, so he's able to do kind of this question and answer time. I don't have that same luxury, so um, you're, you're going to get my sermon now. Okay, just kidding. Um, but I, I do have a lot of notes, so we're going to try to keep moving through stuff. Um, one of the things you might be wondering is, why are we addressing this particular topic? Of all of the various topics that we could go into, uh, deeper into in First Timothy, uh, why is it so important um, to talk about caring for widows? This doesn't really seem to be kind of one of those hot-button topics like um, women in ministry or... Um, money in the church or uh, false doctrine, those are all very present, very um, particular needs. And those are are kind of at the forefront of our minds. Um, And those are all topics that are addressed in 1 Timothy um, and are are relevant in our culture today. But there there is another actual topic in 1 Timothy that, that, I don't know if you realize this, but 1 Timothy actually has one of the largest sections on um, and that is the care of widows, <laughs> a largest section in Scripture. Um, and that's the reason why we are discussing this topic today is, is Paul wants to make sure that the household of God is cared for. And a, a significant part of that is making sure that we are caring for, the wid- uh, for widows um, because they are in potentially a more precarious situation. There's more vulnerability. And so this text, this topic as a whole, um, though, oftentimes actually gets brushed over. And so we want to make sure that we are not just dismissing or brushing over um, something that Paul, that Paul actually spends a, a fair amount of time on um, in 1 Timothy 5. Some of the reasons that it actually gets brushed over or dismissed easily, uh, first and foremost, is because culturally we have this very individualistic focus. Um, there's this mentality of every man or woman for themselves where I'm, I'm only responsible for myself and not responsible for anyone else. And that can actually even include and extend to family even. Now, even if this isn't uh, explicitly our line of reasoning, um, that we don't explicitly think this, it is something that influences our perspective and it, and it can become something that's easily dismissed. Um, Beyond this, there, there are other reasons why it's easy to uh, dismiss um, just because of social norms or uh, social, societal infrastructure that actually contribute to, um, the, to caring for widows and makes it easy to be overlooked. Any ideas on what some of those social structures or infrastructure that helps to care for widows might be? What are some of the things that, that we have set up in our society today? Yeah, Medicare. Absolutely. Some kind of government-run programs that actually help, like, kind of the welfare system, right? What else? Life insurance. Yes, absolutely. I wasn't actually expecting anybody to say that, so very good. Uh, what else? What else do we have? Yeah. Welfare. Yeah. Yep. Social Security. Jared, you had... Nursing homes, elderly homes, right? Yeah. Um, those are becoming kind of more of a, 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 an accepted part of our culture of how we care for um, elderly, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, any others that you guys think of? Family circles, yeah. One of the things that I was thinking of too um, is just a, even just a greater access for women in the workplace, right? There's a greater access for women in the workplace. And, and while all of these areas that you guys have mentioned um, are good, they're helpful things, they, they can, and they can actually be part of a solution for caring for widows, they don't eliminate our responsibility uh, for caring for widows. The, the social uh, infrastructure for widows has greatly increased um, throughout history. We see that. But it doesn't take away the vulnerability of widows. And it doesn't change God's heart for widows. And so I think today as we, as we look at what Scripture has to tell us about God's heart for widows, we see our responsibility in following through in that care. And so my goal for today, my hope is that we uh, get to see how God cares for widows and that the church should too. And so um, I want us to understand how we as God's people actually reflect his heart in caring for widows today. So we're going to start, first of all, by looking at how God actually cares for widows. And so we're going to do that by kind of tracing a little bit of a theme through, uh, through, um, through Scripture. And you may notice in some of these that there's actually other groups included, um, like orphans, the poor, immigrants, or refugees, and while God does care for these groups too, and much of, the, of what we discussed today can actually apply to uh, these different groups, our focus today is going to be specifically on widows. And that's because that's what First Timothy focuses on. Okay? But first of all, we see that God cares for widows because God is caring. That's who he is. So uh, Psalm 68.5 Psalm 68.5 says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Um, and so this is very, really the very, the very essence of who God is. He's merciful, he's compassionate, he's just. And um, he sees the affliction of the fatherless and of the widows, and he actually does something about it, okay? He, he does something about it because it's, it is who he is. And this is emphasized in, in Deuteronomy 10. We're actually, and we're going to be kind of bouncing around from Scripture to Scripture, so I tried to, on the outline there, I, I tried to uh, list those out for you guys so you can follow along as you're able. Um, but Deuteronomy 10, 17, and 18 says this, For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribes. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So God cares for widows because it's in his very nature to do so. God cares for widows be, uh, not just because it's something that he wants to do. God didn't just wake up you know, one morning on the, uh, and think, um, mm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty charitable today. I, I bet there's a widow out there that could, could use some money. Maybe I'll, I'll mail a check, right? God didn't do that. No, it is who he is. Um, he cares for widows because it is who he is. So because it is who he is, he also actually makes provision for widows, he, makes, he provides care. And I think we actually see this in the way that he set up and structured the law um, in the Old Testament. 
and Mosaic law, do, uh, Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, and Deuteronomy 14, 28, uh, 29 actually help kind of key us into this. Um, Leviticus 19 says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the, the field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And then Deuteronomy 14, at the very end of, or at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. And so we can actually see where God makes provision for caring for widows. And he actually does that by using his people, using his people as they obey his law, right, to care for widows. And I think we actually see a really good example of this. Anybody have an idea of um, where in Scripture there might be a really good example of the, uh, this particular law being obeyed? Yeah. Ruth, yes. Yep, absolutely. So we see Ruth, who is a widow, who is the daughter-in-law of Naomi, who is a widow, who is gleaning in the field of Boaz, right? And Ruth... Um, is actually able to provide for Naomi and herself through this means. And Boaz, actually, we see kind of this ultimately leading to Boaz redeeming Ruth and Naomi. And we, we can actually see how there's this example of how God's law was designed to help widows. And, that it, and how God actually provides care for widows specifically. And, and he did it through his law and he did it through his people obeying his law. Um, we also see uh, other examples in, in, Second King, or in 1 Kings 17. Elijah is actually sent to a widow at Zarephath who is actually not even a part of Israel. Um, but, she, uh, but he provides food and um, actually even raises the widow's son from the dead. Um, and there are other examples throughout history um, uh, in Scripture that we see of God caring for widows. And so we can see throughout the course of history that God's heart is to care for widows. And he's providing a way for that to be done. However, we also find that God's people are also not very good at at obeying that. And so we see also that God cares for widows in the way that he responds to people not um, obeying his law. And that God condemns oppression. Um, So in Mark 12, uh, 38 to uh, 44, Jesus actually condemns scribes' activity towards widows, and he praises the widow in her faithful uh, giving. And so in, in Mark 12, 38, it says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers." they will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus then goes on to contrast, um, and he goes on to, in in contrast, goes on to praise a widow for her faithful giving. 
that even though monetarily it might be less of less value, it was actually of greater value than all of the other gifts just because of the, the sacrifice that she gave. <laughs> and so we see Jesus' heart in that, in praising that widow. Ultimately, though, we also see where God's people Israel, through, through what we've looked at so far, have actually done kind of a poor job of following through with these, the ways that God has provided to care for widows. While caring for the poor and, and the widows might have been something that was followed through periodically or sporadically um, throughout the Old Testament, it was, it was never consistent. Um, and even into Jesus' day, the poor and the widows uh, were actually oftentimes taken advantage of. Uh, they were the vulnerable people that God asked to protect. And actually the opposite of that happened. And so this is what we're seeing in Mark, where Jesus actually condemns. And if you remember what Lucas preached through in Malachi um, at the end of last year, that um, God actually says that he will judge the, those who oppress the hired worker, the widow, the orphan, the sojourner. Malachi 3.5, it says this, when I, when I, Then I will draw near to you for judgment, I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the sojourner, the, wither, the widow, and the fatherless, and against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord. And so this is uh, actually a statement of condemnation for the, uh, for the neglect and the oppression inflicted on the poor, uh, on the widow, the orphan, and sojourner. God will judge those who oppress them. This is not just a statement from the past. This is actually something that Jesus is making a present reality and that he's reinforcing. And he says to beware of people who do these things. Beware of those who take advantage because they will actually receive greater condemnation. Now, this is a significant and important warning for us. All right? It's actually um, should lead us to question and examine where our own heart is at uh, when it comes to um, if it is attuned to the heart of God. It should lead us to look at how we are doing in reflecting the same care that God has for widows. But through this, I don't want us to miss that God cares for widows and it's not just a vague kind of one-off statement. If we walked out of here and we thought, oh yeah, God cares for widows, great then maybe we missed something because it's, it's not just a footnote in scripture. There are actually very particular ways that he does so and most often that actually includes human involvement. It actually includes his people. And so we need to consider how it is then that we should be involved in caring for widows. And so we say that God cares for widows and that the church should too. That's our second point for today that God's heart for widows is displayed in how the church cares for widows. But how does this look actually, right? How does this look actually? Well, first, I think we actually need to stop and pause and examine our own hearts in this, right? Because we don't want to end up being like the scribes. Um, and so I think that as we, as we look at our own selves, there are actually maybe two roadblocks that we can see um, that Scripture points out for us and uh, that can actually direct us away from following God's heart uh, for widows. 
First of all, we tend to get focused on ourselves, and then secondly, we tend to get focused on our own practice. Okay? Now, I'll be honest, because as I was studying this, was, this was actually really convicting for me, um, that there are lots of ways where I kind of tend to focus on myself and what I'm doing. Um, and I found kind of in my own heart that I actually had to um, be very intentional about praying and, and humbling myself in, 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 as I was working through these passages. And I found actually that James uh, was really, really helpful for me in addressing this. Um, James 1.27, uh, James actually talks about how pure and undefiled religion is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unstained from the world. Now, what I found helpful in this in particular is um, he's addressing kind of both of these roadblocks. First of all, there's the roadblock of ourselves. And in this passage, James is defining for us what does it mean to display godliness. And he's doing this in the context of not just hearing the word, but actually living out the word, doing the word. That when we hear God's word, we display that we believe God by doing what he says. But then he also, the next passage right after um, James defining uh, uh, religion is actually to not show partiality and to not do so especially in the context of economic status, right? And so what it means then for us to live God's word out um, is that we recognize that where we may actually set up kind of these fake socioeconomic boundaries or these fake kind of spiritual boundaries or these fake different kind of made-up boundaries that um, we actually uh, set up between us that Christ actually transcends. And Christ says, no, I've demolished that boundary. <laughs> and so we um, should not set it back up again. Our tendency is to somehow say that we can believe God and then do whatever we want. Um, but this shows that we don't really actually trust God. This shows that we, we think that we know better, we can slip something past God. This shows that we actually have an attitude that somehow uh, we can perform well enough to prove something about myself. I can prove that I'm a better person or because I'm wealthier or because I uh, gain a higher standing with God because I'm holier than someone else. And we kind of play this comparison game. But that's actually displaying that we don't really believe what God says. Because what God says is actually that we are secure in him because of what Christ has done for us, not because of what we do. You know, that's exactly what John preached on this morning. That we have confidence in God because of what Christ has done. And so that's the first roadblock, is removing myself from the picture. Removing myself. This is not about me. Caring for widows is not about me at all. This is about honoring God. This is about living out what uh, I believe. The second roadblock is actually our practice. Because when we are in this kind of state of performance or proving, we actually are kind of doing the opposite of what God asks us to do. Uh, we serve in church. We are part of kids' ministries. We meet these people every week for Bible study. We're kind of doing all these different religious things and um, yet we fail to see the people directly around us. We fail to see that, oh, you're kind of struggling financially this month. 
Can, can I help you with that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. I, I, I can't engage in a conversation right now. I have this person to meet, or I have this thing to do. And we say to the person in need, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and um, do nothing to care for them, right? We are not living in faith, and our practice is actually getting in the way of our faith, if this is the case. So God actually calls us to learn how to practice what is good. So Isaiah 1, 12 to 17, it says this. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling in my courts, bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. This requires us to humble ourselves. And we recognize that our performance in religious acts does not add up to anything in our standing with God. And recognizing that God's love for us when we were poor and needy actually enables us to learn how to do good. It enables us to learn how to cross those socioeconomic, emotional, spiritual boundaries to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, we find that when our deepest need is met in God, it actually enables us to look up and look around to see others and their needs. But that can actually feel a little bit overwhelming sometimes, right? (laughs) You look around, you see, are we supposed to care for all of the widows in the world? Because that's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and it can feel a little bit overwhelming and a little bit daunting, um, but I was actually, as I was reading, there was an article by Kevin DeYoung who actually provided a little bit of a helpful framework that helps us to understand our capacity um, for caring for widows. And he does so by answering the question, who am I most responsible for? Who am I most responsible for? And he gives two kind of guidelines in answer to that question. First of all, we are most responsible to help those who are closest to us. And then second, we are most responsible to help the, those who are least able to help themselves. And so, um, <clears throat> those who are closest to us, this actually helps to define who it is that we should be looking to care for. Um, this is something that Lucas will probably preach on. I'll let him kind of expound and go deeper into the First Timothy text. Uh, but First Timothy 5, uh, 3 through 16 is where Paul gives two specific ways um, as for who is closest to widows. Okay? Any guesses on who that might be? Who's closest to a widow? Family. Yeah, that's a good one. Any others? There's one more. Household of faith, that's right. That's right, the household of faith. 
So first of all, family. Paul says to care for our own. That those who are in our family who are widowed, that we ought to care for them as long as we are capable of doing so. As long as we are able to do so. And that's a, there's actually a really clear example of this um, that Jesus sets for us in John 19. <laughs> that he actually cares for his widowed mother while he is on the cross dying, right? He looks at his disciple John and he says, John, this is your mother. And he looks at his mom and he says, Mom, this is your son. And he's passing off this burden of caring for his mother to his disciple John. And so this is act- there's actually an implication in, in this that Jesus was responsible and felt the responsibility to care for his mother even throughout his life, even in his ministry. And so this is what Paul is saying in 1 Timothy 5, that family should actually be that first line of care for widows. And then the second is the church, that if... <laughs> Um, the widow does not have family to care for her, then under certain circumstances, uh, with certain qualifications, that she be cared for by the church. And I think that we see the church should take responsibility for widows. Um, Acts 6.1. The apostles are actually uh, address a, um, a need that comes up in the early church where there was an issue. Some of the, the believing widows were actually being neglected. <laughs> And in addressing this, the apostles actually helped to set up a structure um, for the way that widows should be cared for by the church. And they, they did so by appointing deacons. And that's kind of where we first see the, the, the um, role of deacon enter into the church. Um, but they did so to make sure that none of the widows were being neglected. They, they wanted to make sure that um, this was something that was being taken care of, that the church the family of God uh, was coming together to meet the needs of um, other believers. And so that kind of helps define who it is that we should care for. First of all, we look at uh, who is it in our family. Second of all, who is in our our church, in our local community. And then the second uh, guideline here is that the, we, we look at those who are least able to help themselves. And this, this actually helps us to see specific needs um, and how to meet those. So first of all, probably one of the most significant needs is the spiritual need of a widow. Uh, the spiritual need is to know that God cares for me as a widow. I need to know that God is there because a lot of things have changed in, in their life, Right? And so only, ultimately only God can actually meet this need, but he does so using his people. His people can actually show uh, his care through other different types of means, like financial support. Um, there are a lot of different ways uh, that we can care for widows or that husbands can care for their wives uh, in the event that they uh, pass. Um, some of those ways that we've, we've already even talked about. Life insurance is one, um, retirement plans, um, some of the welfare systems like Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, um, all of those different types of things. But also, there are ways that we can come alongside financially and help, right? Um, helping with bills or unexpected expenses as needed, um, like car repairs or groceries or different things like that that we can come alongside and support widows in. But uh, financial needs are not the only types 
of needs. Emotional needs and physical needs are also um, a part of this. Grief, loneliness, purposelessness, um, these are all things that are at, uh, a part of the struggle of a widow. Just being able to sit and listen, um, to pray with, to provide timely, helpful scripture um, as a widow grieves the loss of her husband or um, even just visiting or inviting or eating, eating meals together, inviting along to in activities that you are doing. Um, the, those are ways to help with loneliness or providing opportunity to interact with our kids or uh, creating ways to serve in the church can kind of help with some of this purposelessness, uh, getting social, good social interaction, um, helping with cleaning your house chores. It can be like just a really practical, easy way that, hey, I have, have an afternoon free. Can I come over and just clean with you? Um, I actually read an article of one lady who started a cleaning business and found that it, it actually turned into a ministry to serve widows who were alone um, by themselves. And she stated that as she would go and clean, she would bring her kids along, and her kids actually gained a number of grandmas as a result, right? Isn't that sweet? I thought that was, that was so cool. Um, but just being able to cook meals or um, assistance with doctor visits, making making sure that their home is safe, fixing maintenance issues, um, or making the home is secure uh, with doors and windows, security systems, so on and so forth. Um, and then, as we mentioned before, assisted living, um, assisted living facilities can actually be really helpful in, in connecting. One thing about assisted living facilities is we, we can't allow these to become a substitute for taking care of um, our responsibilities, right? We want to make sure that we are involved and in, 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 um, careful in, in not just kind of passing off the responsibility of caring for our widows. But it can actually be a major support that provides the help that is required, especially medically um, and especially um, emotionally with social interaction and different things like that. And so these are all different needs that widows could have, and there may be more, but I hope that as we recognize the, um, the widows in our community that we're actually able to visualize how it is that we can help them, how it is that we can come alongside them and support them, that our own view of ourselves and what we're doing or not doing doesn't get in the way of seeing the needs of people around us. Um, as we close, I hope that it is very evident that God cares for widows and that we as a church ought to follow suit. Um, we were really created to live in community with one another. And this is a part of that, is being able to uh, look up, look around, and see the needs of those in our community, especially of widows. And so may God help us do that diligently and faithfully. Um, we're going to bring our gospel growth time to, to a close, and we'll be starting a second service in about 13 minutes. Um, but in the meantime, let me pray, and we'll, we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you uh, because you first loved us. And as your children, we want to reflect your love, um, and that means we let go of our own pride. Um, and Father, I pray that, um, that we would seek to serve as you served. Um, Lord, seek to care as you care. 
And so, Father, I pray that as we see the widows in our community, um, the orphans, the poor, the immigrants around us, that you help us to see um, the ways and the needs that we can meet. Um, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for a time to gather together in worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.